Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment, you're nailing it, and the next, you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and on this week's episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast, we're going to be discussing how we can go about um, incorporating social justice values into our parenting, even when we're overwhelmed. I'm really excited for this conversation. I have a lovely guest who is just a star in in what she does um, and is going to help us kind of break down all the ways that we can really be embodying the the good, loving, kind, compassionate human beings that we want to be and the ones that we want to raise. So please welcome to the show, Nat Wicked said, it's so nice to have you here. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Laura, thank you so much for having me on the show. I have been a big fan of your show and I really love the love that you pour into each episode to your listeners. Oh, thank you. That feels so good to hear. (laughs) Absolutely. I am a social justice organizer in my transgender community, started all the way back in Thailand in 2007. And then I began working with families and children. So by trade and training, I am a therapist specializing in working with children and families, specializing in social justice or decolonized parenting and inner child reparenting. And what that looks like is, you know, when you believe in social justice, you want to act on it and implement it, but then you're, as a parent, you get pulled in so many different directions of caregiving tasks, of keeping the household together, parenting tasks, of being conscious and intentional and loving, and then just your own healing. And then at the end of the day, you're just left with a dry cup and there's mm-hmm. no bandwidth left to do the social justice things you intended to do. And my work is the privilege and honor of supporting families who believe in social justice action to weave those social justice actions like accountability, power with solidarity into their daily parenting so that they can promote their children's development at the same time 
and strengthening their social justice muscles too, so that when they go out in their community, they know in their body of this is what it feels like to show up with someone I love, even though they look and sound different from me in solidarity. And they don't have to ask, oh my gosh, am I, am I taking up too much space? Am I taking enough risk? Because they know it in their body. They have mm-hmm. already that practice in their body with their children. Mm, okay. So tell me, tell me a little bit more about what that looks like in practice in a family. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one example that often comes to my mind is power with instead of power over. Mm-hmm. As a culture in the West, domination, coercion, and control are quite normalized. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we have this expectation that our children need to obey. Mm-hmm. And we name that explicitly as a part of decolonized parenting work of where that domination coercion is coming from. And it could come from capitalism, where we tend to extract resources from earth and exploit labor from workers. Mm-hmm. It could also come from colonialism, right? Where we go and colonize different lands and cultures and practices around the world. And we tend to absorb that and it trickles down into our home as a family rule, right? You can't disrespect me. You need to obey. You need to do what I said when Mm -hmm. I, when I say it. Yes. Okay. So you've, you've used the term decolonized parenting. Can Mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit more about what that means, especially for those, for those who this is a term that's new, or maybe they've heard it before, but they're not exactly sure what it is. Mm -hmm. Just kind of break it down for us. Yes. Thank you for asking that. Laura, that's very important to name it. And the definition I'm giving is the definition parents in my communities are teaching me today because it's it keeps evolving. I love that. I, oh my gosh. The, I, I love having a community where there's yes. a reciprocity in the learning process mm-hmm. where it's a, it, where it is a community of co, like co-learning and shared learning. That's so wonderful that you get to create that. Yes. Otherwise, I would be another quote unquote expert. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. I I would tell them that this is what it is. Yes. Positioning yourself as an informed learner in a family Mm. is so like so critical. You you have knowledge, they have knowledge, we're sharing it and we're co-creating the our shared knowledge. Oh, beautiful. Absolutely. I know you get it. I know you get it, right? Because decolonized parenting is deconstructing the parenting shoulds, Mm -hmm. the social conditionings and messages that we absorb and learn about this is how a good parent is raising their child. Mm -hmm. And we deconstruct that and we kind of detangle the tendrils of colonialism and capitalism and white supremacy Mm -hmm. and patriarchy that are kind of taking the driver's seat. Yeah, that are kind of woven in there into the fabric of it. And we don't even know it's there. 
right. And together we name them like, oh my goodness, this pressure that I'm feeling of signing my kids up for extracurricular activities every day of the week, right? It's coming from that real pressure of wanting to prepare my child to be successful in society. Mm -hmm. And we interrogate that standard of, but wait, who defines that success? Yes. Yeah. Mm. And, and do I share that definition and what is true for me and true for my family and ultimately what's true for my child? Mm, yes. Right. I mean, cause they're the ones who are going to go out and have these lives. Right. So mm. we have to help them start that interrogation process too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So can I just share a story, something that happened yes, in my house please. that I feel like I would love your perspective on. Mm. And if this is kind of an example of some of the things we're talking about. Um, so we were all sitting down to dinner a couple days ago and my daughter had just gotten back from the library with this giant stack of books. Books are her happy place. <laughs> you know, she just is a ravenous reader and she had been up in her bed reading, which is just her you know, it's so delightful. Her body feels so safe there. And so she came down for dinner and she, she was like, I really don't want to be here. I really want to be, you know, up in my bed reading. Mm -hmm. And her dad was like, well, just grab your book and come and read here with us. And I had this like ping in my like brain that was like, that's against the rules because reading was not allowed at my table growing up, you know? And I was like, wait a second don't break my rules. You know, I was thinking this, but I said to my husband, wait a second, hold on. You you just said something that like, there's a part of me that feels uncomfortable with. So I'd like to have a discussion. We've never talked about reading at the table before, you know? And so I just said to the family, like as a kid, I, my sister and I weren't allowed to read at the table. How do we feel about that? And so we went around the table and talked about it. My younger daughter, who was not the reader at this point in time, yeah. expressed some concerns. We talked about different options and she ultimately brought the book to the table, read for a little while, periodically took a break and engaged in the conversation. It was a really lovely and very like, I don't know, it felt very collaborative in kind of making that rule. But I had that ping, that first ping of like, that's not okay. We have to sit at the table and be focused on each other and have all of the conversations because research says family dinner is important. Yes. You know, like as all the things were little pinging in my, you know, but that's what we're, that's what we're supposed to be doing, right? Is becoming aware on some level of some of those things. Absolutely. And the part that you said, research said, and I know your listeners love research. My listeners do too. <laughs> There's such a big difference between what research said and also how we implement it and adapt it and make it our own method. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Becoming aware that is the first part of decolonized parenting of, wait, who is raising my child? Is it the researchers who did that study in the lab? Or is it my own value? Yes. Or is yeah. it capitalisms? Or is it patriarchy? Or is it my in-laws? Mm -hmm. right? And really interrogate yeah. that. And I love that you put it into practice, slowing it down and have a family discussion. How beautiful is that? I mean, I think 
it, that certainly doesn't happen all the time. That was a moment of clarity yes. for me. <laughs> There's definitely moments where I don't hit, hit that right for sure. Right, um, but yeah, I right. do. I want my kids to feel like we're all equal in our home, that we all have a place mm-hmm. and we all have a say. And there's times where my kids reflect back to me where they don't have that. At my daughter's birthday party over the weekend, she wanted to have a disco dance party in the basement. <laughs> and these, ki- <laughs> these kids are wild kids. They like go to a primarily outdoor school. <laughs> I, I don't, I did not really want them in my house. <laughs> but she came to me and she said, how come you get to decide, make decisions about what guests get to come in the house? I was like, oh, that's a fair wow. point, you know? So, I mean, I was really wow. proud of her uh, for pushing back on me. That's really good to see her pushing back against injustice in our homes because that's the safest place for her to do that I you know I I feel like I'm derailing our this conversation a little bit but I do think not at all okay because I mean this is part of it too is teaching her if we want our kids to be agitators if we want them to be the people who are pushing back against injustice we have to be ready Mm. for them to do it in our own homes Right. This is the safest to us. us. This is a safe place for them to do that, to practice those skills. Yes. Okay. (laughs) You go. (laughs) Yeah. I I so appreciate that, you know, when our kids push back on the rules that we set, what a beautiful testament to the strength of your relationship with your daughter. Oh, that yes. trust. So listeners, are you hearing this? So when your kids push back on your rules, they're demonstrating that they trust you to listen to them, mm-hmm. right? You've created mm-hmm. safety for them. Good job. Right. <laughs> Beautiful job. Yes. Because <laughs> if, if our listeners were to be sitting with us in the same room. And if both of us were to ask them, any of us were able to do that when we were little with those who raised us? My mom's no. like famous refrain is, don't say no to your mother. <laughs> That's what she always said to us as kids. <laughs> you know, but now she's like, Laura, I'm so glad you let your children say no to you. That's so, it's so oh. nice to see her growth too. <laughs> I love that. That intergenerational healing, it's never too late, right? It isn't. It isn't. It's and never too late. I mean, and so many of the people I think you want to be working with are doing that intergenerational work. They're really being those mm-hmm change makers in their own families. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about kind of unlearning the parenting shoulds that come along, Mm -hmm. really starting to question, but what about the times when, I don't know, our parents' voices just fall out of our mouths when we're triggered. You know, when we, when for, you know, there's every parent has those things that just set us Mm -hmm. off. What about those times? Mm, mm. Yes. I mean, those times when we get triggered and then reactive, right? And then we revert back to our old coping strategies that we're so familiar with. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And that could include sounding exactly like our parents when yes. we promised ourselves not we to sound never. like them. Yes. We would never. <laughs> <laughs> Intentions, so beautiful, right? But in practice, that can look different. Yeah. And I want to acknowledge that pain. I find that conscious parents in my community, they they set such fierce intention. And it's such a human thing to slip and react and revert and sound like our parents. And that guilt and judgment that we just put on ourselves, Mm -hmm. that can be so painful to hear. Yes, so painful. And we, we enact the same parenting on ourselves that we're attempting to not enact on our kids. Right. So we were shamed, blamed, judged, met with guilt, discipline, punishment. And then we we take that and we put it on ourselves whenever we make a mistake, because that's what we know. Uh, And so there's an aspect there that we where we really need to be working on that inner that inner work if we want to see that reflected out in the world. Absolutely. And if I can add a layer, please, please, please. that decolonizing piece, Laura, is that that shame, blame, and guilt, it's how we punish ourselves. And what's happening on the inside when we punish ourselves is not that different from the punishment that we see out there, right? In the prison industrial complex. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Often blame and shame people who are not following the status quo, Mm -hmm. punish them, and lock them away. Yes. So when we can contextualize the behaviors that we do as parents in our home, in a larger context, where whatever oppression is happening out there trickles down into our family as family rules, mm-hmm. then we can really remove shame off our back a little bit and build that breathing room to to discern oh my gosh, I don't want to do prison industrial complex in my home. What else can I do? Mm -hmm. Okay, help me make a connection right now between what we do in our homes and how we support change outside of our homes. Yes. Tell me how, like, make that really concrete for our listeners how we can do what we can be doing in in the midst of busy everyday parenting, school runs, grocery shopping, meal prepping, like all of these things. It's so easy mm. to get so taken up into our individual lives. And we yes. hold these values, we share these mm-hmm. values, and yet living them and enacting them in the broader world is difficult and challenging during a season of intense parenting. It truly, truly is. And I believe that a lot of parents that I see who have the best intentions and they're givers and helpers. And when their cups are dry, they tend to go into either, okay, I'm going to go out, march, donate, save the world. I'm going to put my dignity and humanity aside. I don't care because I have privilege. So I'm going to go out and save the world. 
and they fall into that pattern of saviorism Mm -hmm. instead of solidarity where, you know what? I know I'm tired and I know the world is on fire. I'm going to take a moment to fill my cup a little bit. And then I'm going to go out and support whatever I believe in. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that difference between saviorism and solidarity. Okay. Tell me a little bit more I, about what solidarity looks like in practice. Solidarity looks like I see my humanity and I also see your humanity. I'm going to go and support you and show up from a place of we're in this struggle together. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm more superior, not because it's charity, not because it's just a one-time donation, but Mm -hmm. it's because my liberation is tied to yours. Yeah. So I'm going to respect myself too in the process of showing up for you. And this seems very big, very abstract, right? Yet we see it concretely in mutual aid networks when we see people who are out marching on the streets and then they get punished and locked away. And some people show up in solidarity by marching alongside them. Some people send bail funds money to get those people out of prison. There's so many ways for us to show up in solidarity. And I believe to bring it down to parenting is that we practice that in our home. And it starts with this urgency right? When, when our kids are having meltdowns, we have this urgency within our body and our heart. Oh, I see your eyes light up. That What do we need to do to get you to stop crying so I can help you? Mm-hmm. We become the savior. We try to fix it. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I remember your conversation with Alyssa. Last Campbell. Yes. Yes. Just recently. Yes. Yes, just mm-hmm. recently, that when we're not regulated and we move in to support someone who's not regulated, yes, like diving in without any floaty noodles, without <laughs> parachute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have to move quickly in, right? And I support love, I our love children. what you're. Yeah, so I feel like you're doing just this beautiful job of illustrating the mm, the way in which the what's happening in the macro system is mirrored within our microsystems. You know, so mm-hmm. if we think about this from a systemic perspective, we're all it's like a Russian doll, you know, one of the Marushka dolls. They're we're all nested within each other. And yeah. it it echoes through. And so mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean what a beautiful way to think about when my child is having a meltdown, how do I step into solidarity with them? You know? Instead of yeah. saviorism. Yes. Beautifully yes. illustrated. Yes. Thank you, Nat. <laughs> oh, thank you, Laura. And and it can be as concrete as saying to our toddlers, you know, I know you want Play-Doh. You're safe right now. I'm feeling tension in the back of my neck. And I know this is when I'm getting frustrated. So please take this book. I'll join you in three minutes. I just need to move my body, take that breath, take that sip of water, 
and I'll be right there with you. And we can go that, get that Play-Doh together. Mm. Mm. Thank you for making that so concrete mm. and giving the permission to take those steps for ourselves. I mean, yes. so that's what we're talking about when we talk about self-care. I feel like yeah. self-care, you know, is just this really overutilized term. <laughs> Everybody's annoyed with it. They're like yeah. they're overhearing it. But what it, what it's about is regulating, you know, figuring out what our unique systems need in order to feel nourished and whole mm -hmm. and well. Mm -hmm. And what a beautiful thing to model for a child who's having a, you know, wanting to play with the Play-Doh yes. that, you know, mom is tuning in to themselves. Dad is listening to their body. You know, mm -hmm. those are like really important things for a child to see modeled to them. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. We model social justice action through daily parenting, right? Mm -hmm. Most of the time, most of the time, the key is most of the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. And then we're able to support them that, you know, I'm feeling feelings and they're not permanent. I have mm -hmm. a way to move through them using my body, using my words, my affirmations, whatever that is, but I'm important too. Yeah. So I'm going to fill my cup and then I'm going to show up for you, right? And with self-care in my community, it seems so individualistic and I'm going to both and it. Okay, it's good. Both individualistic and it's so important. Mm -hmm. So I often use self-care as an invitation for parents in my community to be really naughty, really, really naughty to capitalism <laughs> and capitalism. Yeah. Okay. Tell me more. How, how I, I'm, I, I have to understand this more. Because the, the quote unquote, good parenting is that imagery, Laura, of you're calm and you're smiling. You have your makeup on, you take a shower every morning, right? And you're just like slowly squatting down next to your child and say, oh, I notice you're feeling X, Y, and Z. When in reality, it's not that. And <laughs> that's like capitalism, patriarchy telling us to do martyring, not mothering, gender inclusive. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Because we're told to lay ourselves on the altar of motherhood, parenthood. Yeah. Yes. Inclusive. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So to be really naughty to that conditioning is to say, you know what? I am important too. I am a mom and I'm also Laura. I think that that's really hard for people to do. Mm -hmm. yes. So what do, what do you think parents need to know mm. in order to believe you mm. that that's something that they can and should not should, but can and that they, yeah, that they can do for themselves and for their family, that it would be beneficial. Yes. Yes. Thank you for asking that, Laura. Because <laughs> I, I don't want 
our listeners, our parents who are already busy loving their yes. kids, themselves, healing, reparenting, and doing all of this. Doing thing. all the things. Exactly. Yeah. And also they haven't eaten and it's like 1.45 p.m. Central Time, right? <laughs> They're like, oh, here's another thing I need to do. But I often invite families to shift that question of what else do I need to do to who do I need to do it with? Hmm. Who can be that trusting comrades, co-conspirator, co-parent that I can slowly learn that I don't need to carry everything and be a martyr, that I can like say, hey, because of my upbringing, I'm not good at expressing my needs because it wasn't safe. Yeah. So can I just practice it with you? Like, can I just say I need 15 minutes to myself and you come and check in on me in 15 minutes and then we'll carry on. Mm. It's really special having people you can do that with people that you can be vulnerable with and mm-hmm. kind of bring those conversations out into the light. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, you know, I, so I have, a couple friends who I can do that with, where we can be really upfront about what's hard and ask for support and help. Mm. But I'm thinking about the parents who are listening right now who don't have that, who don't mm. have that in their lives. Is do you have any like recommendations for how they can go about finding that in in someone? Maybe someone that they already know, or you know, just like like you know I feel like we're all just so hungry for deeper connections too so like do we have any like where can people find that yes oh what you just named just really brings grief to my heart Mm. that that isolation is so prevalent when we have to play this hungry game of capitalism where we have to work 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 and there's no time to build that real trusting community right yeah yeah and sometimes we just need a little a little something to tide us over until we can find that someone or that community and it could be with our plants with our pets, with, I have this pom-pom pens, that fidget that I can just like, oh, you have I'm, all, I'm also fidgeting right now. <laughs> yes, yes, right? And, and these tools that we can rely on to fill our own cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a full and clear awareness that I'm not flawed, for not having community around me. I'll get there. But for me today in this moment to get through the day, I just need to like go water my plants, go pet my cat or go fidget with my pom-poms or putties or move my body mm-hmm. and find that resource and strength or go to my ancestors altar and find that connection through spirituality. Right. It could be, mm-hmm connection with the land, with the ancestors, with pets and plants and people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or sometimes it's ourselves mm-hmm. in the inner reserves until we can find that community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I really like that. I really love learning how to be a, a well within yourself so that you don't run dry. Yeah. I just, I would love to talk a little bit about how lonely and how isolating it can be to be a parent and why, like, how to like, so you, I, I love that you brought that out as a, as a kind of a, Results of capitalism. I feel very curious about like how to engage in pushing back on some of those things, you know, like, but you know, like thinking mm. about, okay, so how does it benefit capitalism? Like, who's benefiting from me feeling isolated, right? Who's benefiting from from me spending more time on social media than like going out and meeting my neighbors, you know, like, I just, like, I I just feel like there's some questions there for us to be thinking about as, Mm -hmm. as parents in this community, you know? Yes, absolutely. And we can name the conditions that we're in the water that we're swimming in where if I don't work, yeah, I don't have food, housing, and healthcare. That's period and point blank. Yes. So the big ask of parents to always be constantly attuning to their kids, playing with their kids, reading multi-language books to their kids. Yes. Right? Yes. Like how, how do you do that when you have to attune to capitalism? When you have to play the hunger game of capitalism, you can't attune to your kids or play with your kids. Yes. Yeah. So what do we do? (laughs) We do. We do what we need to do to get there and take a sip of resources along the way. Mm -hmm. Meaning we do what we need to do for our cups to not get dried as we're trying to survive. Yeah. And maybe like give ourselves a little grace in like recognizing this really difficult position that we're in as parents, you know, that we are just in this place where we're raising human beings in an environment that isn't ideal for them with demands placed upon their parents that aren't ideal for a family, you know, at all. Yeah. Not at all. And cultures around the world has interdependence. Yeah. At the heart of child rearing practices. Yes. Someone else that you trust can step in and cook, can step in and clean, can step in and you can take a nap, can step in and you can go lay down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we don't have that here in the West. No. And what's amazing is our, our children's biology, like we was promised a village. Their children are come into this world primed to form at least four significant attachments. Mm, yes, and yet most fa- you know most kids come into a two parent household, and those are their those are their or you know or one parent household, and those are their significant attachments. We're meant to have at least four. The right. human baby is meant to have at yes. least four. Yes, <laughs> yes. So giving ourselves. Grace, like you said, Laura, in operationalizing that in a day-to-day practice can sometimes look like 
what would be an acceptable outcome today? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just showing up fully and being truly present with one daily routine for 10 minutes. I love that. It doesn't have to be, you know, we're so all or nothing. And like in this world, we're so all or nothing. And I really love that we can just get, maybe we can be all in for 10 minutes. And that's, yes. (laughs) And that's good enough for that day. And that all or nothing is so a byproduct of white supremacy, either or binary conditioning. Right. It really is. Yeah. I really appreciate how you bring bring those things kind of to the front and talk about them. I feel like it's, we tiptoe around it and I really love that you're laying it out. Um, I would feel very, I think that there's probably people who are listening who really want to like lean into mm-hmm. to learning more on that um, and learning how to see that for themselves in their own lives. And I think you teach that. I think you teach how to do that right I do can you tell us a little bit about where people can go to learn from you both um, as a free resource you have a podcast and in your programming yes absolutely and before I go there I just want to give you props I'm able to come on here and lay it down like frame by frame because you've set up such a beautiful learning environment for your listeners to practice this conscious, respectful, like beautiful, intentional parenting practices that they can design. And today I can come in and lay another layer down, another lens that is social justice actions. Yeah. I really appreciate (laughs) the layer, the the nuance. Um, you know, it's clear how much you love parents. I love parents mm. too. I love yeah. getting to work with them. <laughs> Same. Um, yeah. yeah. I Same. just want them to feel supported. And I really feel like that from you too. Thank you. So I support parents through, of course, by naming these things and unlearning these oppressive conditioning and reparenting their inner child. And we do that a lot of self-reflection work, but I'm a somatic therapist too. So we, yeah. So we work with our triggers from the bottom up. So from our body. I love that. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. I didn't know you were a somatic therapist. We could have had a whole episode on that. (laughs) I'm so interested in somatic practices. I I love doing it and doing it in a trauma informed yeah, because a lot of us have to disconnect from our bodies in order to be safe, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. How do we slowly get back into that and notice different points of tension, discomfort mm. in our body and honoring that yeah. as a way to give us information of, ooh, there's something sticky there mm. that I can heal when I'm ready. Yeah. I yeah, love so that. I, yep. I do all of that in a seven week social justice parenting and inner child reparenting cohort called the in out and through program. We figure out (laughs) ways to like, you know, when you ask yourself, what, what do I do in this scenario with my child? And you kind of figure out the child development science and your own social justice values Mm -hmm. and let that guide your answer of what you do next. 
Yeah. And a lot of times the barrier also is our inner child wounds that we develop when we were little. So we unpack that in our cohort too and reparent our inner child and repair the ruptures in the lineage with yeah. those who raised us. Oh, that sounds so beautiful. It sounds too like you, that this is not a course where you would, the parent would go and learn things kind of didactically, learn scripts to go home and say to their kids. It's not a do this thing. It sounds to me like your program really teaches parents the way of self-inquiry and self-healing so that they can do these important work that they're yeah. doing in their families and in the world. Yeah. yeah There's so, yeah, absolutely. There's so many beautiful resources about what to do with the children. And yes. what I'm offering is what to do with your inner children and yeah. start there. And then whatever scripts or strategies they want to do, we'll figure it out together. But we yeah. first center your healing I love that. That's, I think that's so important. I think that there is definitely a place for the, what to do with kids. Right. And oftentimes, you know, for, for some people that's enough and then yes. they're, they're on their way mm-hmm. for a lot of us, myself included. It's not enough. I can know all the things to say and saying them is a completely different story, you know? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. And it breaks my heart when parents give up and feel like, well, I'm just going to stuck always being anxious, always being worrisome. And we can interrogate that a little bit of, of course, you have to be anxious because of this and this and this. Yeah. You had to do to protect yourself. And there's a way to get unstuck. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. So Mm -hmm. I have a program called Parenting from Within that tackles (gasps) a lot of these same topics, but it does not have the social justice lens, which I just think Mm -hmm. is this really impactful layer. I'm so glad that there's someone teaching this from Mm -hmm. this perspective. Um, The world is lucky to have you. Oh, and the world is lucky to have you too. And I'm not saying that to like, oh, my outfit is beautiful. You look great too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying that from a place of parents throughout history have been disenfranchised and disempowered and how beautiful that parents have options and agency to choose to do your program, do my program, or listen to this podcast or my podcast. I love that. I, I, you know, I, I very rarely meet someone who feels that way about parents that parent like sees parents at a, as a potentially vulnerable population mm-hmm. that need to be met with care. And the way that sometimes I think parents are, are, are marketed to is so irresponsible wow. because we're so vulnerable. We're, we're so, we're, we have such deep craving to do what's right, you know? And Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I was with um, an Arab refugee family yesterday, Laura, and the dad was talking about just how much he's so worried about his daughter. Mm. But underneath that worry, like I keep hearing how much he loved his daughter and wanted to protect her and be there for her. Like that kind of love, that radical love, it's... Like it gets me out of bed every morning. Yeah. I need to do this work in ethical ways and caring ways, which yes. you, you do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, well, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we heard from you and you have a podcast too, right? Yes. Yes. So a lot of things we talked about today, they can go learn more in the podcast episodes. It's meaty, it's juicy and reflective, but digestible, I would say. Awesome. Oh, so Nat, thank you for being here with us today. And just thank you for being in the world. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for being you and learning and unlearning together. Oh, it's wonderful that we get to do that. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, That's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember, balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.